Hey, everybody, it's so good to be with you guys today. Just want to welcome everybody from all of our campuses. And would you guys just give it up for the men at the God Behind Bars campus who are joining us right now? We're just... We... We love you guys, so glad, so excited about what God's doing there. Um, I don't know if you guys know where our different campuses are located, um, but our West Campus is actually in the foothills of Colorado at like 8,000 feet elevation up I-70. I used to work there, and a couple years ago, uh, on the neighborhood watch boards, they were talking about how there was suspected bear activity in the neighborhood, and uh, I got excited, okay, Uh, because I'm like, I'm finally going to get to see a bear in Colorado. I've waited a long time for this, and the kids' ministry team wasn't too excited. But anyways, I I was excited. Then one morning I drove up there and I got there early and I saw one of the trash cans had been knocked over and there were like, uh, there's trash scattered everywhere and there were like pieces of bagels that were on uh, the ground and there were these like fast food wrappers and I was giddy. And so I just cleaned this all up because I'm like, I'm finally going to get to see a bear. I'll at least be able to watch it on our security footage. I was just so excited. And so I got on our security footage and I'm watching it at 10 times speed and it's going through, it passes midnight, it's getting earlier into the morning, and I'm like, this is when a bear likely would, would come in here, tip over the trash can, and scatter all the trash everywhere as it tried to find some food. And uh, before this happened, I saw three teenagers wander onto the screen, and I was like, they, I hope they're gone before the bear shows up, because man, like, that would be a bad deal. And then, of course, you know what happens. Uh, the teenagers walk over the trash can, and they dump it over, and then they just throw trash everywhere, because that's what they do. I don't know. And I, I was sitting there, and I was so frustrated, because at first I thought, like, when I'm cleaning up after this bear, this is like helping Mother Nature, okay? The bear doesn't know what it's doing. It's just hungry, trying to get food. But instead, I was enabling a bunch of vagrant teenagers. And I was looking at the screen, and I just remember being like, those kids need some better parents. Have you ever, have you ever said that before? Like, these kids need better parents. And here's the, if you step back and think about that statement, here's a convicting thing. What if they do? What if, I mean, what if mom and dad split up and it's still really messy? I mean, what if dad left? What, what if they just got hit by some really unexpected medical bills and mom and dad are working two jobs trying to make, just make ends meet and they're doing the best that they can? Or maybe mom and dad, they're still around, but just something's not connecting and they need somebody to stand in the gap for them. We come in here from all sorts of different backgrounds and life situations, but I think that there's something that all of us here can agree on. We all want the next generation to be raised well. We all agree on that. We all want the next generation to be raised well. And the reason for today's message is I believe we all have a role to play in that. So today we're going to talk about parenting, but it's not just for parents with kids in the house. I mean, if you're a parent, but your kids are out of the house or you're a grandparent, then as you listen today, I hope you remember what it's like what it was like. I hope that you can empathize with parents today. I feel like empathy is just missing from today's culture. Or I don't know, maybe there's somebody else in your life who needs to hear what God's gonna tell us today. Or if if you don't have kids, if you never end up having kids, you can still make an impact on the next generation, whether that's neighbors or nephews or kids at church, okay? I can look back at a few volunteers at the church that I grew up at as one of the primary reasons that I'm a pastor today. We can all contribute And the subject of parenting, it's something that we can all understand because everybody at every one of our campuses or watching online, everybody at least, we either had parents or we wished that we had parents. Every one of us could say that. And today we're wrapping up our series, The Perfect Life, and we've been talking all about family. 
and how so many of us, we buy into this lie that family is gonna come easy, that the perfect families exist and that being a healthy family comes naturally. And today, as we talk about parenting, maybe you're like me, maybe you knew that parenting was gonna be hard. You just didn't know it was gonna be this hard. I mean, think about moms today. Expectations of moms are just so high today, okay? Now it's almost expected that every meal is gonna be well-rounded, multiple course, nutritious, organic, and it's gonna look great on Instagram. You, you know what used to be acceptable to eat? Spam. Like, that's true. You know, you remembered. That's like meat jello. That, that is, uh, that's basically Arby's before they slice it up, Okay. Some of you guys didn't need to know that. That's under the hood. Uh, you think about kids' safety and how it's under constant scrutiny by everybody these days. Here's how horrible my parents were when I was growing up. They let me jump on a trampoline without a net around it. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, oh, gosh. Like, just imagine that today, okay? Imagine having a trampoline without a net around it. I mean, neighbors would, like, not let their kids play with, play with yours. I mean, they wouldn't. And do you know that the toys that we used to play with when I was growing up? Some of you guys know where this is going. <laughs> yard darts. Who played with yard darts growing up, okay? That's right, because this is America, okay? We play with giant darts in yards. Who cares? We should start a movement to bring them back, you know? Like, somebody... We probably shouldn't, right? We'd all get sued, you know, I'm, I'm not about that. Let me tell you about some other dynamics at play today. <clears throat> you see, today, you gotta deal, if you're a parent, you gotta deal with unrealistic expectations. We've got these expectations of ourselves that we're gonna keep the house perfectly clean and we're gonna perfectly balance being at home and perfectly balance being at work. We're gonna go to every class party, go to every soccer practice. We'll make all organic breakfasts and lunches and dinners. We're never gonna let our kids watch too much TV. We're gonna make all the right choices as a parent, and we're gonna love every minute of it. <laughs> and if we don't, there's a voice deep inside of us that says you're failing as a parent. You gotta deal with crushing comparisons we see these people that look like they have the perfect lives, the perfectly decorated homes, they eat the perfect meals, they have the perfect kids. And when we see what looks like perfection on social media, even though we know that's not reality, we still feel like we're failing if we're not measuring up to that. And then we're confronted with endless opinions. Everybody now has a blog, okay? One mom says that dairy is fine for your kids. The other says you shouldn't let your kids have dairy. All right, one says you should sleep train your, your newborn on a strict schedule. The other says let the baby come up with the schedule. One says the earth is round. The other says the earth is flat. I mean, who are we gonna trust anymore? Not only these factors, but just like parenting has always been all throughout history, it's just day after day after day after day after day for 18 years. And most of the days, my wife, Kara, and I, we've got four kids. Most of the days, we end the days exhausted. And some days, it's because we've home-cooked all the meals, and she's home-cooked all the meals, uh, let's be honest. We've home-cooked all the meals. We've helped the kids with their homework. We've done all the laundry. We've gotten the kids bathed. We've done all the right parenting things, and we end the day exhausted. And then there are other days where there's tension between her and me. And I'm frustrated because I yelled at the kids and I don't even have energy to clean up the house. And I'm so annoyed that I don't even wanna tuck the kids into bed. And the best that we could do for dinner was Taco Bell and we end the day exhausted. 
and you feel like you just can't win. I mean, does anybody else feel that way? Like, you never really know what you're doing. Like, your kids change so fast that you barely have time to catch up to where they are, and you just don't even know where to start, or you feel like you're making mistake after mistake, and you're just feeling as a parent, or there's just so much to do in the first place. So why even, what's the point? And the time's just flying away. Have you ever been there? Cool, just me? All right, cool. <laughs> maybe, somebody, maybe one of you all should teach this. Uh, then. If this is hitting home, what would, God, what would God say to us? And I wanna take a time out real quick because I know I'm saying what would God say to us and I know that there are people in the room who are like, hey, hey, I, I don't even follow God yet. But I know that you wouldn't be here if everything in your life was working perfectly the way that it is. And so what I just wanna explore today is maybe what we're missing when it comes to impacting the next generation is exactly that. What would God want us to do? I mean, maybe that's the missing piece. Maybe that's why we're left shaking our heads sometimes. Maybe that's why we feel clueless or powerless so often. So whatever you believe about God, let's just see what he has to say. Let's put it to the test and just see what happens. And so what would God say to parents who are tired, who are defeated, who feel like they don't know what they're doing, who wonder if what they're doing is even making a difference? What would God say to that? Galatians 6 verse 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This past summer, some friends of ours took my wife and I to Napa Valley, where they're members of a couple of the different wineries. And we got to walk through the vineyards. We got to check out the cellars. We got to see how really, really great wine was made. And my wife, Kara, and I, we, we've always enjoyed a very specific variety of wine, um, specifically the variety that's under $10. Uh, that's, the, <laughs> that's the type of wine that we like. And as we learned about great winemaking, I was just blown away by the patience in the process. I mean, if you're starting a vineyard today, you're gonna have to spend months preparing the land before you can plant anything in it. And then you're gonna have to spend a couple months planting the vines. And before those vines would produce anything that's even remotely drinkable, you have to go through three or four years of crop cycles before the grapes are mature. And then you harvest the grapes, you clean them, you destem them, you crush them hard enough to juice, but not too hard that you juice the skins, you let it ferment, then you purify it, then you put it in barrels. And some of these wines, they sit in the barrels for three to four years. And when it's been properly aged, then you put it into bottles. But some of these bottles will mature in the bottle for another five to 10 years before they hit their peak flavor. So if you're a winemaker and you're just now starting, you're gonna put in a lot of work. And you might not even know if what you're producing is good or not until 18 years after you started the process. Does that sound familiar to anybody? See, all of us parents, we are trying to be better parents. But the truth is, we, we won't really be able to see the fruit of our labor until 18 years after we started, if that. And along the way, all that we get are glimpses. 
My, uh, last fall, my wife and I and our two youngest kids, Kate, who's six, and Ford, who's four, we were raking leaves in our yard, and my wife mentioned, hey, it'd be a really nice thing if we rake the leaves in our neighbor's yard, too. And then my daughter, Kate, unprovoked, goes over, puts her arm around Ford, and goes, yes, Ford, let's go help the neighbors. It's good to help others. And as a dad, I just sat back. I'm like, I can die now, okay? Like, my work here is done. I wanted to, like, high-five every kids' ministry volunteer who helped teach them to help out. But then Kate continued. She goes, because Ford, when we help others, mom and dad give us candy. That's why we help others. And I just remember, like, being defeated and just being like, oh, gosh, they, I guess they're a work in progress. And if you're a parent, you've had these situations before where you know you only get glimpses of it. And I don't know about you, but some days for me, it feels like parenting's going well. Other days it doesn't. And most days I just feel like I'm throwing bricks down a well that I can't see the bottom of. And I'm just praying to God that they lay a foundation down there. I mean, there's no formula for raising kids. There's no guarantees. There's no 10 steps to ensure your kid's going to grow up to be a reasonable adult. So in the middle of that tension, What do we do and where do we start? That's where I think that what we've been learning in this series has been so helpful. We've gotta take a step back and we've gotta remember that family takes mercy. That's week one. And that family takes sacrifice. That was last week. But finally, family takes intentionality. And call me crazy, but I think of all the things to be intentional with, it's making sure that your kid understands how to follow Jesus. It's more important than making sure they're honor students, they're starting varsity, they're popular, whatever. And I I gotta explain, this intentionality with your family goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in a book called Deuteronomy. We're gonna look at Deuteronomy chapter six. And in this section, the people of Israel, they've been together and they've been secluded from the rest of the world for 40 years. And they're about ready to move into another area where there are people who have different values and different beliefs than they do. People who are gonna constantly push back on their way of life. And God tells Moses, the leader of the people of Israel, to tell the people what it looks like to follow God as a family as they move into unfamiliar territory. We'll pick it up in verse five. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children and talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So God tells his people to talk about what God says when they're sitting and when they're walking, when they're lying down, when they're getting up. Impress them on their children But look at what it says first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. He doesn't start with parenting. He doesn't start with kids. He starts with you, mom. He starts with you, dad. The first step before any other step, mom, dad, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. What God's saying should be on your hearts. He starts without saying anything about parenting. Why? Because God knows a basic principle. You can't give what you don't have. That's why on uh, airplanes when they do safety presentations, 
They tell parents in case of an emergency, secure your oxygen mask before you help your kids. When we take our family on planes, which we avoid as much as we can, but when we take our family on planes, my daughter, she reads through the entire safety presentation because she, I, I, I don't really know, she's a worrier. I tell her it doesn't really matter, but you know, uh, I, I shouldn't tell her that. My, my son Gray is curious, and so he's just like fiddling with everything, checking everything out. My, my daughter Kate, she knows that when we're on a plane, she gets to watch three straight hours of TV, so she asked for the iPad. And then Ford, our, our youngest, he's our troublemaker, and uh, Ford looks at the drink menu. So, <laughs> and Ford is sitting, sitting there and he's thinking, I'm gonna get a Coke, I'm gonna get a Coke. And we don't, as parents, we don't let our kids have soda all that often, but, but airplanes are just different. If you've been a parent of a child on a plane, you understand this, don't you? I mean, you understand what this is like because he's got a secret weapon in his arsenal. It's called the public tantrum, and man, is it effective, okay? When we're at home, there's a certain, like, you can deal with the tantrum, okay? You can deal with it. He's on my turf. We can deal with it, but, but when we're on a plane, when we're in public, I'm on his turf, okay? I, timeout doesn't work on planes, okay? If anybody creates, like, a timeout zone for kids on a plane, I would just pay you as much money as I could. It'd be great, and take away the coat. That just makes things worse, okay? Because Ford, he, he, he inherently knows something about me. He knows I'm an insecure parent. He knows I care way too much what you think about how I'm doing as a parent. He just knows that, okay? He knows when we take pictures on Instagram, I'm only gonna post the ones that make us look good as parents, all right? He knows that when we're out there in the lobby and I won't let him have a fifth cookie and he throws a tantrum, I'm not really thinking about the tantrum. I'm thinking about what you're thinking about the tantrum. He knows that I'm an insecure parent and so when he's got me on a plane surrounded by the public for three hours, he's got me in the palm of his hand. So what do I do to get ahead of the tantrum, you ask? I order us two Jack and Cokes. <laughs> Ford gets a Coke and Coke, and Dad gets a Jack and Jack. And, and, I'm, not, and I'm not saying it's right, okay? If you, please, if you've got another way to deal with this on a plane, please come tell me. I'll take any suggestion. It's just, we, we try to survive. But I feel like the safety instructions on a... Plain, they're good instructions to us too. We'll do our kids no good if we can't get their masks on because we can't breathe. Parents, you can't give what you don't have. So I'm encouraging you, you read your Bible. You pray for your kids. You get in a group. You get in a relationship that helps you grow in your faith. You let God shape your heart so that God can use you to shape the hearts of your kids. Sometimes I think what we wanna do is we wanna outsource our kids' faith. The same way we outsource their piano playing to a piano teacher or their soccer playing to a coach. But in the verse that comes right after this one, we're not gonna see how God talk about how these things should be taught to students, how these things should be taught by volunteers to kids in kids' ministry. And it's gonna say this, teach them to your children. He's saying that it's the parent's primary responsibility to teach their kids about Jesus. The church, the youth group, Christian school, whatever, they're great supplements, but they're not great replacements. And God is so clear, there's something intrinsically powerful that happens when a parent teaches their kid about Jesus that just can't be replicated in any other way. It's the way he set up our world, it's the way he set up our families. 
And I just gotta ask you, mom and dad, is this really something you wanna outsource to other people? I mean, I understand it with sports, even with school, okay? But on their faith, on their relationship with Jesus, on the person that Paul says he comes before all things, and in him all things hold together, and you'd miss out on introducing and teaching your kids about something as important and valuable as that? And here's the flip side. Mom and dad, if, if you do call yourself a Christian, and you don't demonstrate what this looks like to your kids, but you also tell them it's important, if they see you preach what you don't practice, I'm convinced that there's nothing more detrimental to a child's faith than to see their parents claim to follow Jesus but not act like it, and they'll believe that the church is full of hypocrites, not because they know everybody at church, but because of what they see in mom and dad. I tell you, before working at Flatirons, I spent almost a decade in youth ministry in the most cynical, the most jaded, the most hard-hearted students in my ministry, they were not the ones that came from non-Christian houses. They were ones who came from Christian houses where mom and dad blatantly didn't practice what they preached. And for some of us right now, that's hidden home. That's our story. Because your parents, they said that they were following Jesus and they pretended to every time they brought the family to church. But at home, it was a different story. And for years, you've had nothing to do with church. And you're finally back here one more time to give it one last shot before you write it off together. Mom and dad, there is so much on the line here. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Your kid's faith starts with how you demonstrate your own faith. And then out of that, verse seven says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. God says, impress these things upon your children. And God says, the way that you demonstrate your faith, it will leave an impression on your kids for good or for bad. So God says, demonstrate your faith when you're having meals at home, when you're driving in the car, when you're waking up, when you're going to bed. He doesn't leave much out. He tells us it should be this natural part of our family rhythm. And just think about all the lessons that you had to learn the hard way. Think about all the times throughout your childhood where you felt like you had to figure out life on your own, all the mistakes you made along the way. And imagine what it would have looked like if you had somebody in your life. What if, what if you had a parent who made it their priority to raise you in a way where you didn't have to learn lessons the hard way. You got to learn from their example as they followed the example of Jesus. Parents, you've got the opportunity to do that, to, to be that today. Here's what I'm just so excited about, how we as a church, we wanna come alongside you in this, and there are a couple things that I just wanna point out how we wanna walk alongside you as you try to parent. The first one is this, at every campus, We've got just an unbelievable kids ministry for kids birth through fifth grade. And just a quick soapbox, okay? Sometimes people call this childcare or babysitting, and I understand where it comes from because they take our kids for us for an hour where we, we don't have to think about them. But at the same time, kids ministry is so much more than childcare. These are literally like a thousand volunteers across all of our campuses who are intentionally pouring into your children and teaching them what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's just an incredible what they do. And we've got the same thing happening in student ministry for students in middle school and high school. They do this great job of making the Bible tangible 
And to tell students what it looks like to follow Jesus in middle school and in high school, they connect students with other students who are trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. They put other positive influences in your child's life. These aren't substitutes for how you raise up your kids, but they are a great supplement. The second thing is on our website today, you can sign up for information on a family group. These groups will meet next year and you can connect with a group of other parents and you'll walk through a curriculum that's designed to help you become more intentional as a parent. You'll be surrounded by people who are gonna support you as you do that. So take a picture and you can go to this link and you can sign up for more information about that today. And the third thing is that for the last year and a half, Diana Bruner, she leads our family ministry here at Flatirons. She's been working with a team of kids directors and student directors across all of our campuses and they've been trying to answer this question. How can we as a church support parents better? And over the next year or so, you're gonna see some of the things that they've been working on. But what I'm so excited about this weekend is we're launching this thing out in every lobby called the Parent Resource Wall. And they've been combing through these different books and they found what we consider the best books on parenting, on dealing with different difficult conversations with your kids, about healthy technology youth, uh, use with your kids growing up, and then all sorts of other different topics. Because here's the thing that I know about you. I know that you wanna be a better parent. I wanna be a better parent. I don't think that there's anybody in the room who's like, I don't really care about being a better parent. I, just, I wanna be a mediocre parent. I don't think anybody would say that, but if you're like me, sometimes you just don't know where to start. And so we've got these little books and they're on the wall. They're called Parenting Your, fill in the blank, Parenting Your Third Grader. And we've got one for every age group, birth through 12th grade. And these books, they're actually an all-in-one guide to the things your kid needs, the conversations that you need to have in each year-long phase of their life. It's not more opinions, it's just a tool that will help you develop a plan to be a more intentional parent this year. These books, they cost 10 bucks each suggested donation. They actually cost us as a church more than that, but we're not about making money on this stuff, okay? We just wanna help you as a parent. And if you don't have the money, please take a book. Tell them Jesse said that you could, okay? And if you don't have kids in the house and you've got some extra income, just go hand the, hand the person at the wall some money. Say, this is for parents that don't have money to buy a book, okay? Maybe buy these books for your grown kids who have kids for the kids of their own for Christmas, okay? Just don't use these books as a weapon, okay? Don't be like, I see the way that you parent and uh, I thought that you could use one of these, okay? Don't do that. No, no parent needs more shame, all right? These are all at the, the resource walls and uh, be, be patient and gracious. The quantities are very limited because all the other services were very, very greedy, okay? And so you can blame them, but we'll be getting more in stock next week. We wanna help you be the parents to your children that you wanna be. And this is just a start. So find out the different ministries where we'll partner with you. Sign up to learn more about an intentional parenting group. Go buy one of the parenting books. You can do all of this at the resource wall after services. And I, just to talk to the parents who are still kind of investigating this faith thing, this Jesus thing. Isn't this worth a shot? I mean, this can't be worse than what we're doing right now, right? No matter where you are with Jesus, what if you just started finding out what God says, you get involved with the church and you just see how it impacts your kids? Isn't it worth a shot? As we wrap up, I wanna speak to the parents in the room one last time. Parents, raising your kids is one of the most difficult things that you will ever do. 
And it's also one of the most important things that you can ever do. This is a come to Jesus moment for some of us. Dad, you'll spend more time raising the level of your golf game than you will raising your kid with intentionality. I mean, mom, you'll spend more time getting your family dressed for that family picture than you will praying for your kids. And years from now, when your kids are grown and out of the house, I really don't think that you're gonna say, I, when they were growing up, I wish I just had played more golf. I wish I would have fussed about that picture more, okay? I, I don't think that's what we'd say. And this is not, you should never play golf. You should never get on social media. You should never care about pictures, okay? I think they're all totally fine things to do, except play golf, okay? Uh, <laughs> This is about realizing that we have plenty of time to put some of this into practice if we really think about it. I know it's hard. Trust me, we've got four kids. I know. But let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I wanna talk about the marbles real quick because some of you guys, you haven't even heard what I said. You've just been wondering what these marbles are here for. Uh, um, there's, a, there's a scripture in Psalms that says, so teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. And the, uh, the jars on this table full of marbles stands for my four kids. This is Claire, this is Gray, this is Kate, this is Ford. And the marbles in here stand for every week that I have left with them before they turn 18, graduate high school, and leave my house. Some of you all are like, I got a 30-year-old living in my house. <laughs> you need a bigger jar, you know? You need, you need a bigger jar. But seeing it like that, when, when I first saw this, it made my stomach drop out because Claire, I still look at her, she's 11 years old, I still look at her like my little girl and at the same time, I look at the number of marbles and her jar is already more than halfway empty. I mean, the time is so limited that I have with them and it makes me wanna, it makes me wanna make each week count. And so today, for all of us at every campus, We've got a marble for you outside every one of our auditoriums. And I just wanna have a quick precursor. Please do, if you take a marble, be careful. If you drop it on the ground, please go find it, okay? Because it would just be a bad thing if the week we're talking about parenting, a toddler swallowed a marble, okay? So please just, please be careful with these things. But we've got these out in the lobbies for you to grab when you leave. And this marble, it stands for a week. It stands for this week of your kid's life in a week that once it's over, you don't get it back. We don't get it back. And this marble is an opportunity to make a change. This marble is a chance to say from now on, this marble might literally be the defining moment of your kid's life because this is the moment that mom and dad said, we'll go first. So take a marble saying, this is a symbol, this is a reminder, this is one week of my child's life and it's important. So I'm gonna make it count. To make this week count, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invest in my own relationship with God. 
because I know I can't give what I don't have to make this week count. I'm gonna go to the resource wall and I'm gonna pick up a book and learn more about how to be an intentional parenting. To, to, to make this week count, I'm gonna sign up for one of those family groups so I can surround myself with people who are trying to parent their kids better, okay? To make this week count. I, I don't even know about the whole God thing, but I'm just gonna bring my kids back next week and see if it makes an impact. To make this week count, I don't, I don't have kids of my own, but my friends do. I'm gonna volunteer to watch their kids for just a couple hours so that they can discuss this stuff in just a couple hours of peace and quiet. To make this week count, I'm gonna sign up to make an impact on the next generation in kids' ministry or student ministry. To make this week count. We've prayed that we could have one of these. We've prayed for kids and this message has been hard for us today. And... So we're gonna put this marble in a place that we see it every day and we're gonna pray in faith that God one day will give us that opportunity to make this week count. I'm gonna call my mom and dad because I wasn't a very fun kid to raise and I'm just gonna tell them thank you for all the work they put in. I just gotta tell you, it's not too late to the parents of the teenager who's a senior and it feels like just time has flown by and now they're getting ready to graduate you still have 26 marbles left. You still have 26 weeks left. You can make those count. It's not too late. To the parents whose kids are out of the house, I just gotta tell you, what would it look like for you to just call your kids this week and tell them that you love them and that you're proud of them? Okay, I think it's super interesting that, that God, when Jesus is walking along the earth, we've got these accounts about him called the Gospels. They're biographies of Jesus. And when we hear God speak to Jesus two different times, he says this, he says this right here, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God knew that even Jesus needed to hear, you're mine, I love you, and I am so proud of you. And if Jesus needed to hear that, then chances are your grown kids do too. So get on the phone and make a phone call. It will mean more than you know. It's not too late. And to the fathers at our God Behind Bars campus, I know that Talking about this, you might have been going like, how am I gonna put this into practice? And I know so much of this is difficult for you, but I just wanna tell you, it is not too late. So pray for your kids. Write your kid a note. Tell them that you are praying for them. Invest in your own relationship with Jesus, okay? And that way your kid can know without a shadow of a doubt, even though you were apart, my dad did the best that he could. It's not too late. It's not too late for any of us. And so we're gonna watch a song. The band at every campus play a song right now. And this is an opportunity for you to just reflect on your kids or the kids in your life. It's a chance to reflect, maybe a chance to dream about what could be. And as the band plays this song, just listen to these lyrics. Think about how you can make this week count. And once they're done, I'll come up and I'll close this out.